AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'm Editorial Director Joe Petrie. As the winter season begins, airports are preparing themselves for snow and ice events both on and off the airfield to keep their facilities running smoothly. Chloride-free de-icing materials have been a strong tool for airfield maintenance crews for several years to keep traffic flowing. However, these materials can also have a major benefit for landside de-icing as well. I recently spoke with Carla Potts and Dan Black of NAZI during the ACINA annual conference in Reno about why airports should consider expanding chloride-free de-icing materials beyond the fence. I guess the first question we're going to start with today is, tell us about chloride-free de-icing materials and their use on land side. How is it different than chloride-containing items? Okay, on the land side, a lot of the infrastructure has rebar in it. So even with the rebar being coated over years, and you think even some of the older infrastructures like the parking garages and parking lots, or not so much the parking lots, but the chloride is detrimental to the concrete. And of course, when it gets to the, to the level of the concrete's been broken or has degraded, then it gets to the metal. So you have impact, negative impact in that it could eat away quicker. So the cost of your uh, infrastructure, you may not get the full life out of that. So having chloride-free or like for the 1431, the AMS 1431, is an approved specification for the air side. Um, so using that on the land side, um, out, outside the fence, then you have specifications that have to be with, with chlorides less than 250 ppm. So that's considered chloride-free. So it saves, a, you think that the impact financially you're going to get a longer life out of your, your infrastructure. So it's and, asset management. Sorry, in the in the 1431 that Carla mentioned, that's the granular product. So there are two certifications that the SAE, who's the certifying body, administers. One is 1431 for the granular and 1435 for the fluid. Yes. And both can be used. So I know you just mentioned a lot of the issues there, but can you talk about some of the specific issues that you might be able to mitigate by doing by switching to this chloride free? Depending upon what they're currently using, uh, the nice thing with these products, if you're displacing, say, urea, um, the function, uh, the melting properties, I guess you would say, of urea is usually around, you know, 12 degrees Fahrenheit, 15 degrees Fahrenheit. The sodium formate will work to zero. So, and if they choose to use the liquid, potassium acetate, like our RF11, then that will get you to a practical temperature of a negative 26. So you can use it in very cold temperatures, anti-icing or de-icing. Um, so with that, you're getting longer use of your product, controlling the ice, especially if you're anti-icing, you can get it out be before the storm. Um, the solid predominantly is used only because you have the tracking from you know, the roadways into the parking garages. So you might see some refreeze, so that's why you get that solid out and or the RF-11 potassium acetate out um, to help prevent that freezing. So number one, you're gonna get longer temperature protect, freeze point depressant um, 
so you can uh, don't have to worry about that. And if they're, again, I'll go back to urea. You don't have the same freeze point protection. So you're only going to 12 to 15. So here you're going zero to negative 26. So you can stay functional longer. Uh, and with urea, you're likely using about two to three times more product. So even though it might be less expensive in the bigger picture when you're looking at application rate, the um, use of the sodium formate, you're gonna use far less product. And it's more, much more environmentally friendly. So you have a very low BOD, like chemical oxygen demand or the biological oxygen demand. If you have any runoff that's not contained, so you're controlling that as well. And, and in addition to that, if, if airports often will have discharge requirements for surface water, so they may have they may have a fee that's based on what they load. So if they've got chlorides or nitrogen, so chlorides from traditional salts or nitrogen from urea that goes into the water, they have some significant penalties for those often. Whereas if you're using formates or acetates, either granular or liquid, those are a lot more favorable environmentally. So there are various forms of non-chloride deicers out there. What types are better options for airports to be looking at if they're going to switch that material on their land side? I can only speak on behalf of our products. So um, with regards to the solid, it, we have the sodium formate. The formates are known in the industry to be the most environmentally friendly, very low impact. So on that side, they, I would suggest the sodium formate. On the liquid side, uh, within the United States, it's predominantly potassium acetate liquid. However, we do manufacture potassium formate. So if in fact they wanted to streamline and be the most environmentally friendly across the board with the liquid and the solid, it would be potassium formate and sodium formate. And, and on the liquid side, the, the effective temperature for freeze protection for both potassium acetate and potassium formate are, are very good. They're, they're among the lowest of anything you can choose. Okay. So when implementing this, I mean, what changes will they need to be thinking about or they'll need to make? Do they have to change the equipment or does it come down to application or how does that switch around? It depends on the equipment that they do have. Um, generally on the solid, they typically have some type of a, uh, a dump truck type applicator. Some of them have spinners on the back. Some of them have where they can adjust the application rate and some do not. So really it's going to depend on the airport. Um, the nice thing with this is that if you're using your airside chemicals to the land side, then you don't have to worry about having dedicated equipment. So you, you don't, if you're using um, non-airport approved product on the land side, those vehicles cannot go airside without being cleaned first. They have to be dedicated. They, you cannot cross-contaminate because landside products are not approved airside. Uh, so we do have some airports that use one product both places, or when I say one product, solid and liquid. But then that way they can take their trucks from the airside and go right to the landside, uh, and they don't have to worry about that cross-contamination. So application rate, again, depends on the equipment. If they have the ability to uh, program and say, I want on the liquid a half a gallon per thousand square feet or one gallon. Um, if not, then the airport has to be cognizant of what they're putting down. They should never over apply. There's no benefits to over applying product. So talking about application, uh, how should chloride free de-icing materials be applied differently uh, when, uh, you know, when using it, if at all? Well, 
I am not familiar with the application rates of the products that airports are per currently using as far as application rates. So again, I can't speak on behalf of that. On our product side, you would hope that you're using less product, like I compared urea to the sodium formate. The urea you're using upwards of three times more product versus the sodium formate. So when you're looking at um, you know, the, the application right there, I do know, and I have um, some information to support that, that you will use less sodium formate than you will urea, which has, a, like Dan mentioned earlier, has a big, very negative impact to the environment where you won't see that with the sodium formate. So not only are you being environmentally conscious that you know, you're, you're not putting down a product that can be harmful, um, it, it's, it's like we said earlier, it is 1431 approved. So then you don't have to have dedicated equipment if you use that on the land side as well. Carla, you might, Joe didn't directly ask this, but you might also talk a little bit about the product application rates as meteorological conditions change. So whether you have ice or freezing rain or snow. You will, there's two processes that are typically used, anti-icing and de-icing. So if you're anti-icing, you're getting out ahead of the event, you're putting the product down, and it won't do anything until contaminant. We call contaminant snow, freezing rain, ice, that is your contaminant. So anti-icing, you're putting your product out ahead of the event, Typically when your pavement temperatures are 32 and falling, um, and then you're going to use less product. So typically on the liquid, you might be using a half a gallon to one gallon per thousand square feet. On the solid, you might be using three to five pounds per thousand square feet. Once you get to de-icing, it's exponentially more expensive because you have to use more product because now you're putting the product over top of contaminant. You always want to plow and broom everything off first, get as close to bare pavement as possible before you apply your product. And as Dan mentioned, depending upon the event, if you're getting freezing rain and it's coming down, you know, at a pretty good pace, you probably want to go out and start with your solid first because your liquid is at its highest concentration at 50% by weight. So once you've put that out, you put it over top of contaminant and then you have more contaminant coming down you automatically, the dilution factor will exponentially increase. So you're gonna lose that freeze point protection much faster than if you're solid, our particle size is two to six millimeters. So what's nice with that is the two will dissolve faster. So you get that quick time of, of melting. Um, and then you have the six, part, the six millimeter size that will give you the, a longer holdover time. Now, the other side to that is on the application rate. On the liquid, you could go upwards of you know five gallons, ten gallons. If you're putting it, you know, say the airports are completely liquid and they're not using the solid yet, um, we've seen airports putting um, you know that ten gallons per thousand square feet, extremely expensive. So to be cognizant financially, if you have contaminant down, the solid is a real good practice. Yes, you will use more product. You might go seven to ten pounds per thousand square feet but you're going to pit, put pits into that uh, contaminant. And then once, uh, depending upon the event, once you have those pits or like the, the holes in the contaminant, you could follow up with the liquid if it hasn't already broke that bond. Um, you could follow up with the liquid, it will go down into those holes, help break that bond. Because that's the whole idea of these, it's, um, is to break the bond so you can plow broom and try to get back to anti-icing so that way you can use less product. Um, and that's the other um, thing with, with 
you know, the liquid and the solid and working them, using them in conjunction is that we mentioned earlier, the liquid goes to around negative 26 in practical. So it can help your solid because the solid only goes to zero. So it can actually help the solid give you a little bit more freeze point depressant while it's working. There's three points of measurement, the SAE, the governing body that sets the standard. They look at ice melting, ice penetration, ice undercutting. So um, when I say ice melting, they all have um, ice melting benefits, but the whole purpose of these freeze point depressant products is, is to prevent the bond. So anytime you can anti-ice, much more economical, um, and you're out ahead of the event so that you're preventing that bond. So that's the key to, to the de-icing, the anti-icing practices that, that, that we recommend. Okay. And then the last question I have for you is airports that might be hearing this and they are interested in it, or with the potential of using this for their applications, what kind of questions should they be asking themselves if they're starting to consider switching to a chloride-free de-icing material before they just jump in? Goodness, all kinds of questions, right? They should ask a, they should be looking at what's the environmental impact? Um, what's the impact to our infrastructure? You know, where's the data to support that it will, you know, give you longevity? Now, we also want to note that if they have new concrete, uh, they put down new infrastructure, they always want to go back to their contractor. Um, everything that we have learned over the years, no matter what the icing product it is, um, that it can have an impact to new concrete in not a very favorable way. So depending, they always say let it cure for a year. Some airports don't have that year. So then you have to think about what type of protection, what type of um, uh, coating did they put over that concrete to help protect it from the impact of the products being used, whether air side or land side. So they need to ask those questions, go back to their contractor to put the infrastructure in for them and ask, you know, what are you recommending us to use? We as a supplier manufacturer of these liquids and a, and a distributor of the solids presently, we're going to, that's the instruction we're going to give them. Um, there is testing that's done for concrete resi resi resiliency, um, um, the impact of you know, different instructions, and we can certainly give them that, those data points as it's been tested. But the other key that I like to remind all of the airports are these are controlled laboratory tests, so not real world uh, testing. You know, the, these laboratories you send your sample in for the 1435 and the 1431 certification, it's in a controlled environment. They try to replicate what's happening in real world, but you don't have the air traffic or the vehicle traffic. You don't have the wind. Um, they are testing, you know, with the, the pavement temperatures at the various temperatures, which is extremely important. But there's things you cannot replicate in the laboratory. So um, we can give them the data for the certification and we're glad to, to, to provide that to them. Um, but they also have to be cognizant of the environment in which the samples were tested. For more information on chloride-free de-icing materials and best practices in application, make sure to visit our website, aviationpros.com, or sign up for one of our daily newsletters. I'm Joe Petrie. Thanks for joining us today.